So I am welcoming a brand new guest to the Adopt Together podcast. Thanks yes. so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Renata Shepard. I am a writer, and I created the show Born Again Version for TV One. Awesome. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm all those things. Those are, that's not, those are not boring. Those are not boring things. <laughs> no. Your mom, your wife. How many kids do you have? Three. Very cool. Yes. What are their ages? Oh, gosh. They're all born in the month of May. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so word on the street, stay away from my husband in August. Yes. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, so they will be 16, 11, and 5 Nice. In May. And which kid is your favorite? I can't tell you. Oh, okay. But you have one. <laughs> nice. Yes, okay. I can't tell you that. You have a close one. Yeah. It's probably your oldest, right? Well, can't tell you. Okay. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> I was having this conversation with my dad, actually, because I was saying that yeah, I love, I have two daughters. Okay. One, she's one years old, and then my daughter's going to be four this month. And I was telling my dad, I was like, I love my one-year-old, but there is something with that first child that like does I, that I, I, I imagine that my one-year-old and I will are going to have a different kind of relationship. Absolutely. But there's almost no way to replace that first kid you have. What happened with? And the my first dad is like, yeah. And I have an older sister. And my dad is like, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's like that first <laughs> kid. It just they, they there's something about it that you just can't get with any other kid. I was like, except for your second kid, yeah, right? Because exactly. I'm the second born. <laughs> And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was different. It was different with a boy. It was different with – okay, yeah, sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there is a, there's a certain favoritism. Well, for me, there. it was different because I'm adopted. So my firstborn was actually the first person I was ever biologically related to in my life. Oh, wow. So for – it was the first time I was with someone who looked like me. Wow. You know, someone yeah. I was connected to. I had never felt that connection on such a level that wow. you know it was probably annoying to everyone around me wow <laughs> but so visceral right and so almost oh, like incredible um, almost like carnal like just so, yes. so physical and so neurological and so basic at your core to yeah. see someone there's a ton of neurological research around uh how men and women both are affected by how what happens when they see a kid that looks like them mm -hmm. and how that raises up all this paternal protective instinct and all those things. So I can just imagine how that affected you. It was incredible. And the older he gets, I think it's all a bad idea because he's taking more chances in life. And I'm like, this is not going to be good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's turning into a young man. Yeah, you know, He's right. going to be 11. And I'm like, oh, he's going to drive. Oh, God. Like, yeah, right. poor kid. Yeah, he's totally. stuck with me. Wait till he gets into girlfriends. Uh, and, I mean, it's just going to be... And then he decides, like, he wants to jump out of a plane one day. Like, yeah. you know. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So you're, tell us about your adoption story. I was adopted at birth. Um, I had no idea. In the, in the States, regionally? In the city? States. Okay. So I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. Okay. Um, and I had three older brothers who were my parents' bio kids. Okay. My mom decided she really wanted a girl. She found out she couldn't have any more kids. She convinced my dad to adopt. Cool. So then came me. Um, I did not know I was adopted. Oh, really? No, I did not know. I was the family secret. No way. Yes. For how long? Um, 17 years. So I found out, found out at 17. No kidding. But yeah. you're, you, are you African-American, biracial? You have a very... Well, I thought I was black all my life. Okay. If you had come up to me and asked me, I'd say I was black. I was on the south side of Chicago. It's a right. very segregated city. And your adopted so family was black. I was black. I saw myself through them. Okay. Which is very right. interesting. Right. I was just having this conversation recently. You don't, I never really looked in the mirror to identify myself. I looked in the house. Oh, why? Yeah. Right. No, it makes total sense. So I'd go to school and kids would go, what are you? I'm like, I'm black. 
and they just fall out laughing like, okay, this girl thinks she's <laughs> yeah. black. I was yeah. like, oh my God. I imagine in the South Side of Chicago, there were a lot of people who were like, no, I'm black too. Like, yeah. I, they, that, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, but no, they weren't buying it for me. Yeah, you do so, not just, and I know that our listeners cannot see you. Yeah. But or but if they Google you, they're yes. going to go, this girl's not, you're not 100% black. But right. My little brother is a quarter white, a quarter black, and half Indian. Mm-hmm. And people just go, he's, and I think black is like a, the generalist category that they can give yeah. him. But they know that he's not just black. Like They know no that's way. not just yeah. it, you know. So I went home to my mom, and I was like, Mom, these kids are asking me what I am. Like, I don't understand. And she's like, okay, baby, I'll figure it out. And then she comes back to me, and she's like, you know what? This is what you're going to tell them. I'm like, okay, thank you. She's going to give me something to tell them. She's like, you tell them you are a child of God. And I just looked at her. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. So I'm supposed to go back right. tomorrow yeah. and just go. To a high school in the south side of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a child of God. Like, yeah, that's right. really going to work. Yeah. So um, if you listen to uh, stories in black culture, you'll hear people say, like, I had a grandmother or great-grandmother who died years ago, and her hair was long and straight, and you know what? We have Indian in our family. Oh, okay. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to roll with this black and Indian thing and see what happens. And so that's what I would do. Nice. And so it would get me past. You know, it was just like, oh, okay. She's mixed with something. She's saying Indian. We're not going to question it. Got it. Um, because that was common enough yeah, of a story in that the was culture. A, that's a common story in the culture. And it's interesting. I mean, not to go into the whole history of black America, but um, if you look at the shows, like the PBS show, when they help you find your roots, yeah. what they're finding out is people really thought that. And um, actually, they're finding out that people really didn't have Indian. It was actually the mix of white and black. Oh, wow. Okay. But that was just a story that got passed yeah, along. Yeah, totally. Indian. Because actually, if Indians found slaves, they were rewarded for turning them in. Oh, So wow. they really weren't having children with them. It yeah. was a reward to give them back. So it was really happening on the plantations. The mix was really happening there. Wow. You know? Interesting. So I rolled with it. It worked. And then finally, at 17 years old, I was snooping through my mom's drawer. I'm a really, really good snoop. And um, you're I, a writer, isn't that what a writer does? Yeah, you need to know. You snoop through like, people's minds and ideas and motives. You've got and, questions. Yeah, sure. And if they're not giving you answers, you're gonna figure out how to get the answer. <laughs> so I snooped through this drawer, and I I swear to you, I'd snooped through that drawer plenty of times in my childhood. It was a good drawer. Looking for you were looking for money. You were looking for no. ideas. You were looking for dirt. What it was, what was your it expectation was, you were looking for something it was one of those good drawers where you found old pictures oh okay you know so yeah, it'd be totally. like oh wow this is cool you know I yeah seen okay this one before cool whatever and i found a piece of paper stapled shut and i was like okay whatever that is it's good <laughs> <laughs> like forget these pictures That's what amazing. is that yeah and so i ripped it open and it said certificate of adoption and i was just like i felt like i couldn't breathe in my mind, I just saw a road, like, of trees and grass, and I thought I should get out of here and run. Wow. I really thought I should go. I don't know who anybody is. I don't know what's real, what's not. Wow. Um, because it wasn't told to me, and I was living somewhat of a lie. What well, was living a lie? When you find out, it's interesting, because if I watch a movie, like, on, it was a real story, and Lifetime did a movie on a girl who was abducted, it feels exactly the same to me. Wow. Because then I was like, well, was I taken? You right. know, like what happened? Right. Because there was such a desire to conform me 
into this family. Right. You know, which on one hand is really sweet and really great. But then when you find out the truth, it's really confusing and frustrating and scary because it's just you start going back and you go, and that was a lie. Wait, and that was a lie. Oh, wow. You know? And did you have, had your mom told you like a birth story? That Had she fabricated a story or just sort of waited? Like, did you, were you like, wait, I have pictures and mom said that I was born at the hospital and. There was a story and um, it wasn't really specific, which makes sense. It was really vague. And everybody else was born at South Chicago, South Chicago Hospital. And I kept going, why wasn't I born there? Huh. Oh, you know, we just decided to go to that one. Oh, oh wow. okay. You know. Wow. So um, it was just little things like that that then you go back and you go, oh, that's why. So take me into that moment. You see the green road and mm-hmm. you're like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. What do you do? Like, what's, what's the next three hours look like for you? I actually was home alone with my dad and I had a job at the mall and he was sleeping on the couch downstairs waiting for me to get ready so he could take me to work. And um, I was like, I'm not going to run because they, it's interesting. I have a large family. My mom has 13 sisters and two brothers. Wow. So not only, <laughs> right. Wow. And they're all biological. So you have biological. like a hundred cousins or something. <laughs> yes, it's yeah, ridiculous. Okay. okay. And um, so not only was it this situation that I was adopted, but we were taught that you really didn't have friends outside of your family. Like our life revolved around each sure, other. Yeah. So it was a safe place for a secret to be wow. because it wasn't really a lot of outside intervention coming, you know, people coming in and no one raising eyebrows or asking questions because, because you know, everybody just this knows is the family secret. Yeah. Shut up. Wow. <laughs> you know? So, um, within that, it was just like, okay, I can't go anywhere but I'm second guessing all of those people now, like not just my brothers, all of those people are coming to mind. And, so and you feel what you feel the, the energy that they lied to you. You feel like I felt alone. I felt afraid. I felt, um, betrayed, wow. you know? Um, and then I kind of talked myself off of it because at the same time, the world was, I was taught that the world was something to fear. Yeah. Like that outside world, you right. know, sure. It's bad people out there which brings you closer to your family. Sure. So if I was running, I was running out to that big, scary outside yeah, world, right. and I just wasn't willing to do that. Well, in the south side of Chicago, yeah. how long, what was this, 20 years ago? It wasn't what it is now. Um, okay. It was really, and actually at that point we had moved like to the south suburbs. So it was a decent area, okay. but it was still a big, bad world out the there. The idea, yeah, yeah, was that people are out to get you or... So I was like, I'm not going to run. <laughs> so did okay. you go to, did you go to work? I went to work. I walked in. I literally walked into my manager, Darlene. And I said, guess what? And she goes, you're adopted. And I just looked at her no and way. I was like, you're kidding. She's like, okay, I was just kidding. <laughs> Are you serious? You're adopted. Oh my gosh. And then she goes, well, I could see it. Yeah. You're adopted. But I was just kidding. And I was like, okay, you knew too. <laughs> you know, like I'm just, yeah, cause it's it, that moment. Which probably only spun you more in that direction to be like, it's so obvious to everybody that I'm to not everybody. I don't look like my family. Mm-hmm. I'm not the same color as my family. I'm not like all of that starts to. I mean, because in our community, it's not even just complexion. It's hair textures. You know, it's sure. sure. There were times I would be in the grocery store and a Latina woman would come up to me and speak Spanish. And my mom would yank me away, you know, or we were at a grocery store once and we were checking out and this woman comes up to me and she goes, oh my God, you're so beautiful. And I was like, oh, thank you. And she goes, you look just like my niece. 
And I was like, really? And so my mom is, I can see she's stiffening up. Yeah, she's right. getting protective. She's getting defensive. The woman pulls out the picture. And I went, I do look like her. And my mother yanked me away. And she was like, no, you don't. And she told the woman, don't talk to my child. Wow. And I now look back at that moment and yeah. go, I did look yeah. like her. And there's right. a reason why I look right. like her, right. you know. So um, I decided at that point they hadn't told me. And now I had the power. I knew something they didn't know. Right. As in my family. So it was right. my senior year of high school. And I left for college. And I did not tell them that I knew. Wow. And so I came home from s for spring break, freshman year. And I said, Mom, I need to talk to you. And she's like, you're pregnant. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> not. I know. Dude, I have a two not. daughters. And I did really don't want to have that dad. I need to talk to you <laughs> conversation <laughs> with a freshman in college. Yeah. Good luck with that. When you're in school, <laughs> right before that moment happens, when you're in school and you're kind of out into that big, bad world, mm -hmm. now you're out into that big, bad world. You have a secret mm -hmm. that now you know. Does that change your outlook or your perspective in any way to be out there kind of going, hey, um, did you were you open with people? Did you tell them you were yes. adopted? So you were I was you got to be out, it. so to speak, to just sort of be like, okay, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. I got to decide who I was for the first time in my life. Wow. You know, I was away from the home. I was away from the city. I was in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. So I was really far away. And um, my dad, actually, I wanted to stay in Chicago. And he said, no, I'm paying for college. And I want you to get away. And I thought, no, Dad, I don't have to. Yeah, sure. And he's like, no, you need to go. Wow. But he knew I needed the experience. He was an only child. And he kn he was seeing what was going on in such a large family and how you can just – get lost in it and just become what you're supposed to be as yeah. opposed to really figuring out who you are. So uh, I come home, I tell her, uh, I got something to tell you. And she says, you're pregnant. I go, no. She's like, what is it? I'm like, I'm adopted. <laughs> she just looks at me. <laughs> That's like maybe worse than you being pregnant, right? Like in her yes. mind, she was like, worst case scenario, you're having a child at 17. Yes. Okay, that's worse is that you know I've been lying to you. I've been lying to my child. Yes. For 17 years. Yes, and wow. now she knows. So her first question is, how did you find out? Who told you? Because now she's thinking of family members. Who told you? Right. She's going to kill somebody. Yes. Yeah. And I said, actually, I snooped through your drawer, and I found the piece of paper. And she was like, well, why were you snooping through my stuff? Okay, we're really not going to yeah, do that right, right now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm adopted. Can we get on yeah, with this? Yeah, right. And then she kind of did like this wailing of a cry of the talking and the crying. And it became uncomfortable, really, honestly. Huh. She was like, I wanted you sitting on my lap. So here I am, like a 17, 18-year-old sitting on her lap. And she's like, you know, I always loved you. And, you know, um, you'll always be my baby. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, well, what about her? Like, who gave me up? And she's like, oh, you don't need to know that. I mean, that's not important. Who cares? She could be dead for all we know. Oh my gosh. So in that moment, I'm like, okay, this is uncomfortable. This isn't something we will ever be able to talk about. Like there's stuff around it, Yeah. you right. know? So then I kind of picked a select group of people like aunts and cousins that I was willing to talk to about it and mm -hmm. these were the ones who kind of had open minds you mm -hmm. know when I was growing up and I was like okay so what happened you know and how did that go telling them that you knew they were like oh they okay. were like oh you know yeah. <laughs> you They're know like, who told you <laughs> <laughs> so who's you out know. of the family yeah I'm who? not the one telling you you know right right totally <laughs> sign this waiver <laughs> right exactly you're never gonna tell anyone ever so um you know there was one aunt and she said we used to ask her what are you gonna tell her 
And she would say the same thing. You know, the woman could be dead. Like, what are you talking about? It was extremely defensive Mm. and shut down. So it was obviously an uncomfortable spot for Mm her. I told my dad that I knew. And um, he said, I really felt like you needed to know, especially once you turned 18. Like, it was our duty to tell you, but your mom didn't want you to know. And so I didn't want to get in the middle of that. And I said, okay. And he said, "Um, so, you know. I'm glad you know. I support you, but you're still my daughter. Like, I don't care right, what right. happens, you know. You're my daughter. So, okay. Then I talked to my brothers, and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm surprised as much as I annoyed you guys that you didn't, like, <laughs> say, shut up, and that's why you're adopted. Did they – your brothers knew? They knew. Wow. I had two brothers that um, were nine and ten years older than me. So, oh, so clearly. They, they couldn't have yeah. not shared that with them yeah there was one that's four that's four years older than me and i don't know where he was as far as being aware of it yeah but they said they remember the social worker coming to the house they had to explain why they wanted a sister um and then they remember the day my mom brought me home to my grandparents house wow and then there's a picture and i know that day now i know what that picture is now oh wow you know whereas before you just thought it was just a just a random picture she was holding me no big deal So, but I take one step back before I told my mother that I knew, um, I looked at the date on the adoption certificates. I was like, okay, I'm going to mess with her now. Yeah. So I would go, why didn't you put that dress on me? And clearly it was not, I wasn't with her yet. You can tell the change in clothes from when I was with her to the foster care stage kind of thing. Yeah. And she would go, um. Well, you know, that's just one of those things you got at the baby shower. Like, and I just took joy in making her uncomfortable and asking her questions. So tell me again, why was I born at that hospital? Yeah. You know, and she had no idea that I knew. And wow. it was just that moment of like playing with the power, yeah, you know? Right. So then Which fast was forward. probably, I mean, one thought might be that that was like you're, you were just being sort of masochistic or, yes. or, or, or you were being sadistic to like push her through it. But it was probably part of the internal narrative of being like, you held this over me mm-hmm. for 17 years. No, and absolutely. Now it was probably like a reclamation of power in some ways. Yes. Where you got to be like, cool. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm going to make you lie to me or yeah. I'm going to feel like at least I'm, where you, at least you have a this. secret too. Yeah. Because yeah. that would be such a crazy world spinning moment to be like, they didn't tell me anything. Yeah. That makes nothing. so much sense. And then I actually found my birth certificate because I have a, you know, adopt, not a fake one, but an adoption certificate, a birth certificate where it has my adopted parents on there the day okay. I was born and yep. all that. Um, and then there's a authentic birth certificate from BioMom where this is how much you weigh, this is, how, you know, your length and all of that. So they created another birth certificate for you. Mm-hmm. Why did they, why did they do that? Um, probably because it was a close adoption. I'm assuming okay. she just didn't want any identifying information. Wow. Okay. So on that original one though, you can see it's torn at the top. So all the identifying information of that bio mom was ripped off. Oh wow. So it was really interesting. I mean, she yeah. went to great lengths to decide that there was no way I was to find this out. Yeah. Right. So here I am knowing this, and now I don't have to say black and Indian. I have I get to say I don't know. When someone says, hi, what are you? You know, that was like the two questions. What's your name, Renata? What are you? I don't know. Yeah, right. You know? And so I was in Vegas, and I had like a job at one of the tourist sites. And so you get people all over the world, and everybody has a guess, you know? And that was just a right. thing. You're Brazilian. I, yeah, you're, you're Middle Eastern. Yeah, right. You're something, you know? So that went on and on. And then um, what happened? Oh, <coughs> So I get married. Okay. And then um, 
I, this takes a whole nother turn in the story. Um, the day after my wedding, my dad actually left my mom. Oh, wow. Which was incredibly hard for her. Oh, wow. I got married at 25. Okay. And I just, um, I had DJ. So I had reached that point of feeling whole and yeah, right. having a baby that was mine and, you know, just, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. But I also went through the stage when I was pregnant with DJ, if I'll back up for a second, filling out medical information. Yeah. And I'm going to bring this child in the world. I don't even know what I am. Yeah, I don't even right. know who I am. Whereas previously you would have said medical history is, oh, yeah, grandfather or cousin or whatever yeah. had this. And now you're like leaving that whole medical history part empty. I'm just saying I don't know. Wow. Was there? Did you pursue trying to figure out who your bio mom was or who the first family was? Did you reach out to people? Did social workers help you or was it fully closed? No way to find it. It was fully closed. So then I would search new – I would Google randomly new adoption laws in Illinois. Okay. So at that point they said you can get on a registry and if they're looking for you, leave the information that you want them to okay. have. Okay, great. So I was like, okay, cool. It got nowhere. So then my dad leaves, and he calls me, and he says, I just want you to know your mom and I didn't work out, um, but I did all that I could, and I stayed as long as I did because we adopted you. And I wanted to see you through. Like I had to. We didn't just, oops, it's an accident. We're pregnant. We went and got you. Right. So I really had to see and make sure you were good, and you're good. You're married. He's a good guy. I know you'll be fine. I'm, I'll be here for you, but I just couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, wow. I think thank you. Okay, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I understand, and, you know, it is what it is. So we move on from that. And then, but at that point, it's bam, you're adopted. You have a child. You're married. Now the infrastructure of what you came from has fallen apart too. Wow. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like it's, totally. it's a whole nother shake because now that doesn't even exist. My peace of mind and that is gone too. Right. So it was really unsettling. You know, it was, I'm starting this new life that has all fallen apart. I don't know who I am, you know, right. Okay. Just I gotta earthquake get on s- after earthquake. Yeah. And yeah. I've got to get on someone's couch. You know? Yeah. So, right. Did you, did, and at this point, do you know what you are? I mean, no. at that moment, do you know, like, I got a little Brazilian. I'm a little, you don't, you still don't know that part. Absolutely no idea. Wow. So then I just happened to search again, new adoption laws in Illinois. They had updated uh, the system where if you had a closed adoption, you couldn't get into your file, but you could have a confidential intermediary get into your file. Okay. And I did that. And the person contacted me and they said, we just want you to know um, you do have family out there. You have a full brother. You have two half brothers. You have a mother. We think your father's dead. You have two a maternal aunt. Maternal uncle is definitely dead. You have a maternal grandma. I mean, it was just really wow. detailed. And so um, they were like, you know. Who and you get this phone call at what? You're 26 at the time. I'm about 26, and it comes in the mail. It's a letter in the mail. Oh, wow. And I just kept reading it and going, okay, there are a lot of people. Like, this is incredible. And it's real. You know, um, you can dream, you can hope, you can make it whatever you want to make it until somebody sends you a letter and goes, this is what it is. And you're like, oh God, like it's not eight sisters. Okay. You know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) This is what it is. Totally. I mean, I'm not a princess from Egypt, from Jordan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because you have to have thoughts like that, right? Where you'd be like, maybe I'm like a royal family that got dropped off. Like, 
You dream. You really dream like a child. And you really dream of some amazing, incredible, oh, my gosh. And when I find these people, and it's just going to be, you know. And maybe they're super rich. Yeah. My life will be perfect. Right. All that. It's it's really incredible. So um, they said, who do you want to find? And I said, well, everybody. And she said, well, it's $250 a person. Are you sure? And I said, well, let's just be smart about it. You know, it only makes sense. So if there's a full brother and a mother, I probably feel like my chances are stronger with those two people. Right. Let's start with them. If we get nowhere, we'll just go down the line until we find people. So... My mom actually comes in town from Chicago. We're planning a birthday party for my son, and I'm driving down the street, and the woman calls me. And I'm like, hello? And she's like, hi, it's, you know, such and such. What woman? The confidential intermediary. I'm sorry. And so I pull over. I'm like, Ma, I got to run in Walgreens. And she's like, do you need me to come in? I'm like, no, stay in the car. Yeah, right. Because you've had this conversation with her once before. Yes. And it did not go well. And I never told her I was searching for anybody. Okay. We have never really talked about it again. And you never really talked about your adoption again? Never. Because you didn't want to sit on her lap or no, have that. No, have that emotional. Yeah, right. It was just too much. Too and intense. at the same time, um, I knew in her mind I was doing something wrong. Hmm. You know, in hmm. order, it's an interesting dynamic. In order to be fulfilled as a person, I had to hurt somebody. Wow. You know, um, so I was doing something wrong. So yeah. I had to pull over, run in Walgreens, and she's like, I found your brother. And I'm like okay what's his name she's like yeah i can't tell you that i'm like okay was he adopted too good question can't tell you that either oh wow okay so what can you tell me <laughs> you're like and the purpose of your phone call is are we just gonna chit chat yeah, right. you know and so she's like i'm gonna send you information in the mail you have to fill out a new form get it notarized what do you want this person to have your address your phone right. number your email right. and i was like well he can have everything he's my brother she goes, okay, well, when you get the form, put everything on there. And I get the form, and I go, he's a stranger. Yeah. Like, I now have a child. I right. don't know who these people are now. Now it's scary because it's yeah. real. I'm not dreaming he anymore. He could be like a crazy person. Yeah. Or a, you don't know about him, so how much do you want him to know where you live or yeah. who you are? So I said, okay, he can have my email and my cell phone. Send the letter back. And once she gets the letters from both of us, she'll release the information. Okay, right. So I get a call, and it's a Chicago number, and I'm like, hello? And I hear a guy, he's like, um, hi, can I speak to Renata Shepard? I was like, yeah. He's like, hi, this is Reggie Fernandez. And I was like, okay. He's like, I'm your brother. And I was like, you sound really Mexican. <laughs> and he's like, and you sound really black. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That so, was, those were the first words that you spoke to your biological brother. Yes. You, you sound really Mexican. It, he's like, you sound really black. And we just laughed. And I was like, okay, before you start, what am I? And he's like, we're Cuban. He's like, you know, mom had, my mom had him at 17. Okay. Um, she was in a group home. And she had made some mistakes. She had gone to a house party and left him in a car or something like that. And the girls in the group home told and reported her to the social worker. And so at that point, um, they wrote her up and they just said that they didn't feel she was responsible as a parent. It wasn't so much family preservation at that time. It was like, okay, let's take this baby away from this teenager. Yeah, get this kid away from this woman, yeah. So her mom stepped in and adopted the child, which was Reggie. Okay. And she's like, don't bring any more kids in this house. So Maria goes back to um, the group home. Maria's your My bio bio mom, mom. yeah. Yeah. 
She goes back to the group home. She gets pregnant again. It's me. So at this point, the social worker says, okay, this little girl's going to go in foster care if your mom doesn't adopt her. And she was like, well, my mom said she's not adopting anymore. So she says, okay, well, then um, you should probably put her up for adoption because chances of her being molested in foster care are high, and I'd rather her go to someone who wanted her. Right. So Maria decided that was the right thing to do. Um, so then she put me up for adoption, and then a year later she had another child because this time she was going to prove to the world she could be a mom. She's right. 20 now. Right. I'm grown. I'll be a mom. Sure. He lived with her for maybe four years, and then my grandmother ended up raising him too. Oh, wow. Um, she had an older sister who was studying abroad in Spain. And at the same time, she had a brother who was in the Marines. And he came home for the weekend, and he was robbed and killed. Wow. And so her mom got the insurance money from him, from his death, and she sent it to the sister in Spain. And she said, buy property. There's no way I can live in this city. And this is where my son was murdered. Hmm. So um, my Aunt Layla bought property in Spain. She opened an English-speaking school. Eventually my grandmother came, and my brothers were raised in Madrid. Wow. They left. So um, that was their story, you know. And uh, Reggie had come back to the United States. Because where were they before? Where was where was the group? They were home? Chicago. Oh, Chicago! Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. They were in Chicago. So Reggie came back to Chicago at seventeen. He didn't want to do Spain anymore, and um, he's been back and he's raising his family. So at that point, okay, we talked for two hours. We're caught up. And now we're gonna meet. And I'm like, okay, well, where is my mom? He's like, well, we didn't see her for twenty two years. Wow. She turned to guys. She turned to the streets. She turned to drugs. We didn't know if she was dead. We just didn't know. We were in Madrid. And we just thought she's probably dead. Right. Um, she had moved to New York. And he said, I did a background check on her and saw she was stable for like 13 years. Okay. He's like, so I felt comfortable reaching out. And he said he had just talked to her maybe two or just saw her again two years prior to him and I talking. And that had been the first time. Wow. In 22 years. So I was like, okay, <laughs> what am I getting myself into? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, he seems cool. He seems legit. But now what about her? Right. You know? So um, we decide we're going to meet in Chicago. And she's going to meet. She calls me. And it's the full Latino. Hey, mommy, how are you? Oh, my God, I'm so, you know, happy to talk to you. Oh, my God, I can't believe I gave you up. I'm so sorry. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and she tells me how she prayed every night, um, and she's so thankful for my mom. Like, she was making the worst mistakes in her life at 19, and she's so thankful that a woman could raise me, and, you know, a couple could raise me. And she prayed that I would go to college and marry someone, and everything she prayed for had happened for me, and she knew it was the right thing. But are you okay? Are you mad at me? No, I'm not mad at you. Okay, you know, it's okay. So we meet, and it was the weirdest thing. We meet in Chicago at my uncle's house, who um, was the first one to come over from Cuba. Okay. And I find out that my mom came at 11, um, probably like 10 years after he had come. He sent for my mom and his sister, which is my grandmother, and her daughters, her kids, rather. Wow. So they came over. And are they escaping from Cuba, not to sound too ignorant of the... They were Cuban refugees. Okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So they, yeah. they were getting out of there. Right. They, on the a rev- boat or on a... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. However, they got out. I think they were allowed to get on a plane, but I'm not 100% sure. I know she did tell me about the walk, like the walk to the plane. I think it is the plane. Um, How you weren't allowed to look back. Oh, wow. You just had to keep going. You know, and she said it was like a three year old in front of her that was trying to turn around and they were all yelling, don't turn, don't turn. Oh, wow. Because they would stop everybody if you look back. Wow. 
So, um, and then just, just go from this island and show up in Chicago in the middle of winter. And you're like, what is this? You know, yeah. and your life revolves around going to family, walking to family's house and dinners and everybody staying inside because it's winter. You yeah, know, it was right. just a horrible, huge sure. adjustment for her. Um, so then we move forward. I meet her. Um, and then my aunt Layla, who was in Madrid. And I have a brother, Dwayne, who was in Madrid. Dwayne is the one who came after me. Okay. Um, is Dwayne a Cuban name? No. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing about the names. <laughs> so Maria likes black men. So they were, I believe the story is Reggie. I call him Reggie. She named him Reginald after his father. She okay. was dating this black guy. The Cuban family said no. Edwin. Oh, really? Okay. So he's Edwin Reginald. Got it. So, okay. <laughs> so he's half Cuban, half black. Yes. So are you, and you guys share the same father, correct? I don't know. Oh, you don't know? Okay. I don't know. Okay. So, um, and Dwayne doesn't know who his father is either, I okay. believe. So it's one of those things. So I had met Dwayne in Chicago. Um, Layla had brought some kids. She teaches English, and then she brings the kids to America every summer so that they can speak the language, spend the currency, yep. and all of that. So she brought Dwayne with her. And um, I remember we were sitting at a table. And he, um, we were at dinner, and I was like, why are you staring at me like that? And he's like, you look like mom the oh, day wow. she left. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is heavy. You know, every it was interesting. I Everything. Was, I mean, that's like a machine gun for you, though. Yeah. To go from, I'm in Walgreens talking yes. to a private investigator yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you know, hiding from my adoptive mom. Yes. To now you've got, like, cousins and a mom and a brother Grandmother and, and all now of you're cuban stuff. yes all of a sudden you're and i look like people all of a sudden yeah right that was another thing maria had sent me and you're the, you've always been into plantains and yeah. you didn't know why <laughs> rice <laughs> right? and beans were yeah, my right. thing you're like what is i always love now know, it makes chicken. sense yeah. yeah so um i meet everybody i meet duane and it's interesting because i have this moment of i'm so happy to meet maria and i'm so happy to meet my family and i'm realizing that i'm in meeting me, I'm also bringing up pain for them. Sure. You know, sure, yeah. they didn't know if this was true. They didn't know if I was real. They didn't know if Maria was lying. Um, they've been so upset with her over the years. And here I am happy to know her. And right. if I say her name, you can tell the look on their face. They're disgusted. They've, they're frustrated. They're hurt by her actions. Because they're still living with it. Whereas for you. It's new to me. It's new, which is probably excitement mm -hmm. and joy. Yes. Maybe mixed in with some of that loss and pain, but for them, it's the other, it's reverse. It's yes. loss and pain mixed in with, other, they're glad to see you, but it's bringing up a lot it's of... It's bringing up a lot. Wow. So um, the next summer, they get my grandmother on a plane to Chicago. I meet her, um, and then I have a 12-year-old brother. Maria had another child. Oh, wow. And she raised him. Okay. Um, and there's... In Madrid or... In New York. Maria's New York. never been to Madrid. Oh, okay. Just New York. Just the grandma went to Madrid. Yes. The yep. grandma, the aunt, and the brothers. The okay. older brothers. So, um, you know, it's just been this family reunion. And then I take my husband and my kids. We, we do Christmas in Madrid. Oh, wow. And, you know, they get to have... We have this Christmas together. And I did a girl's trip to Madrid before we did Christmas in Madrid. And it was the first time I had actually spent a great deal of quality time with any of my biological siblings. And okay. it was Dwayne and I. And I realized that Dwayne had been in Chicago until he was 12 years old. He had lived with my grandmother. And that time with Dwayne felt like when I had DJ. 
It was the wow. first time I had loved that hard immediately. It was that that wow, internal yeah. thing that had just happened, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it was incredible for me. You know, it was like, wow, okay, I get it. Like, I'm really connected, you know, to yep. someone in this situation. Um, and then what did we do? Oh, so then we brought it full circle. And this past New Year's, we went to Cuba and I met a cousin who's there. I have some family there that were never granted asylum. Okay. So I think I've met everybody at this point. Wow. Yeah. And it's been incredible. And did your adoptive mom, what does she, what does she know about this? Are these just vacations to her <laughs> or are, are you still keeping secrets or have you guys gotten to that? I mean, is she comfortable with it? She's not comfortable with it. Um, But then I say to myself, am I going to lie or tell the truth? Sure. And so I choose the truth and I let it be her decision. Yeah. You know, I I used to take responsibility for her feelings and I got to the point where I realized I couldn't because since my dad has left too, I'm going to be wrong for going to breakfast with my dad. I'm going to be wrong for going to Cuba. Like it doesn't matter. You know, if it's not her, then I will be wrong. But it's interesting to me because Maria, my biological mom, sometimes she'll I could say, oh, I'm mad at DJ. He didn't do his homework. And she'll translate it to, you know, I know you're mad at DJ, but what I really think is going on is deep down inside you're mad at me because I didn't raise you. And I'm like, no, it really has nothing to do with you. You're like, no, it really is the homework. (laughs) It's really the homework. But there's a part of her that I think because everyone else got so mad, there's a comfort and pain for people sometimes. And I think it would almost feel better if I was mad. Yeah. You know, and I'm not. You know, as much as I had gone through and even the betrayal and the worst day of being with my adopted parents, I'm still so thankful they adopted me. You yeah, know, I still totally. feel like the luckiest girl in the world. Totally. And she'll ask me, Mommy, do you wish I kept you? I don't. I really am happy with my life and where it is. And I'm yeah. even happier now that I can find you guys. You know, I look at my brothers and not seeing her for 22 years. And there's something they harbor for her that I don't. Sure. Because you I went 22 years of not knowing, of not knowing, whereas they went to 22 years of, of not having a person that of they were knowing used to and wondering wow, that's and so, hoping yeah. in a different way. That's so unique. So it's come full circle. It's great. Um, and isn't it crazy how our parents, like the adults in the scenario, mm-hmm. let's put it this way. The adults <laughs> in the scenario are sort of a little crazy in the right. Like, yes. Whereas I feel like when you're a kid, and you're born, and then you start growing up, and the people who are in charge. When I was a kid, I just I just assumed people who are 30, like that sounds so knew everything. They're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like they know how to vote, and they they're in they they're in charge. Of, they pay car. bills. Yeah, they drive things. They have like sharp objects at the grocery <laughs> store. Like they know what to do. And then the older you get, you're sort of like, oh my gosh. Like I remember turning the age. Mm-hmm. that I remember my parents turning. Like, I remember my mom's 30th birthday vividly. Wow. I remember my dad's 40th. My dad turned 40 the year I went to college. Wow. So I'm looking at my life now, and when I turned 30, I was like, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I'm, like, a totally sane person. Like, yes. it makes me nervous for my younger self to be like, I was in the hands of just adult <laughs> children. <laughs> just, That's exactly what it is. They just did not know what's going on. And I, and I think for you, and I, and I hear this so much from adoptees, that a lot of times there's a whole lot of pressure in the way that you relate to your adoptive parents mm-hmm. to because you can feel it be really, really loaded for them. It's really loaded. And and it just feels super loaded in the sense that, and I totally hear it from their perspective of, they were kids when they got us mm-hmm. and you and all of, like, my parents had me at 22 years old. Right. At 22, I don't know that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
really basic hole in the yeah. ground kind of stuff. Like I don't think I had any sense of things. And so for them in the same way that you can have a visceral connection to your children who look mm-hmm. like you and are connected to you, I think the same fear. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think your mom lived with that secret, she also lived with that fear that you would find out. Yeah. That suspicion that somebody would tell you. Yeah. That worry that if you found out, then, then what? you would leave her and then she would lose you and that same. Because I don't think as a parent, a, and I say this as an adoptive, my adoptive siblings, I'm, I have adoptive siblings that are more favorite to me than my biological. Mm-hmm. I have my, I talk to my adoptive brothers every day. Yeah. My bio brother and I, we talk once a month, trade yeah. some funny text messages, whatever. But my, we're on, I'm on Snapchat. I'm FaceTiming. Like there is a sense where if I had any concern that I would lose them, mm-hmm. that would kind of be loaded for me. And I just think with your story, it brings up so much for me, the sense that I think for all of us, no, when, as soon as you hit that age of consciousness, mm-hmm. you sort of become peers with your parents yep. way sooner than anyone warns you. They don't yeah. tell you, hey, at about 14, yeah. <laughs> you're now peers. Like, you, you know, almost like, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting it, but this thought just came to mind. You know when you start to think your parents are stupid? Yes. Like they're maybe. Like I know that's my 16-year-old now. I know he thinks we're stupid. Oh, right. Yeah. He just thinks you're like, there's something yeah. wrong with you, right? Yeah. He sees my flaws. Yeah, like he had, they know. Yes. It's like you've been found out. Yes. It's like I knew everything yeah. and I was sort of like a godlike figure. And now, oh no. Yes. And you're not stupid, but there, I think it is that that is their first moment where they go, what? Oh, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, like my 10 year old and four year old, they still think I'm amazing. And I'm holding on to that as long <laughs> as I can. <laughs> Stay in that space. So are yes. you, so that was just, that, that's my riff on, yes. I don't know, parents and children. And, and when you, you know, when you, when you become the age you know you saw your parents mm-hmm. that just it generated a lot of like oh my gosh I, i'm so glad they kept me alive <laughs> yes <laughs> you know i'm so glad they knew i was and i'm around. so glad they had the guts to do it yeah. you know the guts to adopt the sure. courage to adopt you know um it's interesting my m- grandmother who passed before they adopted me my mom's mom adopted mom's mom she told her if you really want a girl you don't pick over the girls you don't look for one that looks like she would blend in the mm. first girl they give you you take her it's not right wow. to pick over these children like yeah, this, right. you know. But I think what's so interesting, and Holly and I talk about this, and it's Holly from Mixed Roots Foundation. Yep. Who's our mutual friend. Yes, yep. she's incredible. Um, what we really talk about and want to advocate is a lot of times culturally where we are on adoption is we celebrate that family getting that child. Mm-hmm. It's the most amazing thing in the world. For sure. But I also think there's not enough attention to what this really means. Yeah. And there's not enough. When I say attention, I think, service there aren't enough services right you know there's not enough support community um, and engagement yeah and are you familiar with the kindred foundation yes yes and so the kindred foundation for adoption i was just in new york jenna and sam mm-hmm. so if anyone's listening to yes. google the kindred foundation they're awesome. amazing and yep. and, that, and that's very much in line with their heart too yeah and i think you know what you realize is how do you deal with the the adopted child during puberty you know yeah, how right. do you deal with you know like my mom ne- really needs someone to come in and tell her it's okay the way you're feeling right now that she has found her parents yeah, you know totally. this is a normal part she needs a support group you know but i think to assume that people are just one in my situation it was such a big secret so then why would you have services yeah right you know so really supporting open dialogue and um I think supportive services along the way and not just saying, Oh, here's a paper. If you want to come, I think check-ins from that same social worker sure. who actually got this through. 
check-ins on how are you guys doing? Are you facing any, are you afraid? Right. Are you, are there any difficulties? Right. Yeah. Cause as you say that there's a huge loss of identity for your mom, right? Yes. She was a child of four or a parent, a parent of four. Of four. Yeah. And now she feels like, okay, well now maybe I'm only a parent of three. Yeah. Not that you've disowned her or any of that, but she feels that loss of being your only mom in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then the struggle of, like I said, in order to feel complete and whole, I needed to, I had to hurt somebody. Yeah, sure. Now I went and sought my own counseling, you know, and that's fine. I have no problem with that, but I think we have to be aware of what this is. And, um, what really brought it up for me was I actually used to volunteer at Valley Trauma Center Mm -hmm. and I would actually go in and talk to kids who were in foster care and explain to them that when you turn 18, that's it. And I would try to encourage them to get adopted because at least if you got adopted, you still had a family at 18. Yeah, totally. You know, when you turn 18 in foster care, you just got to get out of somebody's house and figure out life the hard way. And And, and the numbers are awful, by the way. Yes. And so bleak for the 25,000 kids that do age out every year. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. You know, it's horrible. Or you would see older siblings who were about to age out and they were convincing the younger siblings, don't get adopted, I'll raise you. You know, or don't betray mom. You know, and... You really just need these services. You need to these kids to know they're supported wow. and that they're going to have the support, whether it be foster care or adoption. Sure. It's just such a huge need huge. for the support systems out there, yep. you know. Um, and sometimes we would get lucky and the kids would go, you know what? No, I want to do it. And then other times it'd just be no way. I'm not going to. Yeah. Hurt. And the stats, I mean, just for our listeners who aren't as privy, mm-hmm. 56% of them end up homeless yes. the day that they are that they age out. Yes. Uh, 80% of the of the prisoners in the United States in prison, men and women came out of the foster care system. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's, there's, it's a very bleak outlook yeah. for a child who hasn't fundamentally been equipped with a family. Like when you have a mom and a dad and there's mm-hmm. stability there and you learn a lot of that when you haven't been equipped with that and you don't have the resources. No. I mean, I, I think my dad was still buying me stuff yes. into my twenties. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he's buying, yeah. but he's, I, I mean, I think I still had a cell phone of his until I was like 25. Like yes. there's just things where you just have that support in case I ran out of money or in case I needed to move home. I remember the that day my dad thing. called me in college and told me health care insurance was over. Oh, he's wow. like, you've aged out. And I was like, no, yeah. he's like, this is it. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I went to grad school and I had already had my job, had my own health insurance. And I went to grad school. And I was like, man, I got to buy this health insurance. And my dad's like, hey, check on it. You might be able to still jump on mine. So I was on my dad's until wow. until I could age out because I was back in school and didn't have a full-time job. Yeah. And so it's just so true. And you think that to me was just such a – a lot of my friends did that. They went yeah. to law school and they got on their parents. So they went As long as they, we were students, we could get on it. But you figure that's at 26. Mm-hmm. So that's like a full – Eight years after... Of still being taken care of. Of still being, uh, I mean, being parented, really, in such a huge way. No, absolutely. So that's so true. That's so true. So how are you involved now? Are you involved with Mixed mixed Roots? I am. Um, Holly and I are moving forward. I'm supporting them as much as I can. Cool. Um, Between these kids and my own career. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, I'm excited. Uh, We're going to, I'm going to support Holly for the adoption day. Very cool. You know, for the Dodger Stadium. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So for our listeners, that's on May 24th. 24th. Yes. May 24th. We're doing adoptee night at the Dodger Stadium. Absolutely. Sue Ann and I just shot a video. That's, that'll go on the Jumbotron. Oh, the promo. Welco- yeah. yeah, sort of welcoming people to the dot. I'm sure it's a montage, but yeah. we'll be on the Jumbotron sort of welcoming people. So if you're in Los Angeles and you're listening, join us at Adoptee Night. Yes, at the Adoptee Stadium. Night at the Dodger Stadium, May 24th. Can't wait. Yes, yeah, it'll be exciting. Awesome. Uh, and then, so what's next for you? Are you writing a TV show? Are you making a movie? Are you going to go all Shonda Rhimes on us? Uh, I'm pitching my life. 
Oh, you are? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Um, a dramedy that takes place um, with the a story like mine. A, you Cuban, know? a Cuban girl and a, a black family. Yes, <laughs> who now has a black mom and a Cuban mom. Yeah, And if right. you know anything about those two cultures, good luck. Yes. You know, right. <laughs> it's the moment of where I thought it was bad when I had one mom and now I have two. Like, wow. what did I actually get yeah, myself right. into? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, it's been awesome, Renata, to hear your story. Thank you. And to just be a part of this journey with you. What a exciting life Thank that you. you have lived. I mean, <laughs> what an awesome journey. And I love your outlook and I love your perspective. And I'm really grateful for you sharing your story because I oh, feel absolutely. Like so much when you get to hear from an adoptee who's kind of navigated those waters. Yeah. I put this podcast together and whoever's listening is probably tired of me saying this <laughs> over and over, but I do. I put these podcasts together for my brothers and sisters uh-huh. who right now may not be, uh, may not want to listen. And sometimes they do. And I've interviewed like my 10 year old brother and I've interviewed lots of people, but I think at the same time I put them together knowing that when they start to have questions and have journeys like this, mm-hmm. that I just love that they get to hear stories like yours as a way of so awesome sort of how to navigate that and how to be a part of that and i'm i'm hopeful that this conversation helps all those adoptees who are listening or that people share as well that's part of that support system right you know if you don't have the services then as long look when we're kids my kids do it all the time you think you're the only one going through what you're going through and when you hear that you're not you're like okay i can get through this there's someone else they made it through totally and that's great i commend you guys for this it's incredible it's awesome well thanks so much great having you and i can't wait to hear more and watch the story of your life what's your show going to be called Uh, my two moms for now (laughs) i love it i love it i can't wait to watch my two moms yes thanks so much thank you